गुरुर् ब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णुर् गुरुरेवो महेश्वरा गुरु शक्षात पारा ब्रह्मा तस्मै श्री गुरवे नमः I bow to the Lord as Guru I bow to my Guru as the embodiment of Shiva Brahma Vishnu all I bow to him in you because it's to him I lecture in you you know why because at your core it isn't that my guru is there but at the core of every human being there isn't the ego there's the infinite self which came from god and which longs to know him again and within that central self that essence that essential you there are two sides one is the self that wants this ego there's the other and there's the guru the guru ultimately is in you and it seeks to inspire you and to uplift you i bow to that guru because i want to use his teachings and whatever little bit i can add to them to help to inspire that divine spark to say yes this is what i want this is what i've come from this is what i've li- what i'm born for and let me stop wandering in delusion and never finding what i want life without god is really hell and life with god no matter where it is lived is heaven i've told you this story it's worth repeating of an, an italian artist his name was benvenuto cellini and he wrote an autobiography it's well worth reading you can find it in the stores at least in english or italian and the pope was not paying him uh, popes are really just human beings and this pope was interested just as too many merchants are getting what he could out of this guy but not willing to give him back his due and benvenuto cellini was a stubborn fellow rightly so but the pope unfortunately had the power so he threw him in prison and there he was in this dungeon with a damp mattress rats running on the floor no decent light except one hour a day he was able to read the bible he had for food the classic diet of prisoners in those days bread and water and he still would not give in i admire that that stubbornness Finally the pope gave in he said all right all right i'll pay you i want the work that you're doing so he let him out but the beautiful thing about that story is not the the fact that he had to suffer that's nothing it's the fact that he found joy in that suffering you see he had nothing else to do except read the bible maybe one hour a day what did he do with the rest of the time he prayed he thought of god and bit by bit just in that thought people think well how do you find joy you don't create joy but you open yourself to it by remembering your own higher self and then that joy began to dawn within him and he felt more and more joy finally when he'd been let out he said if you want to know what joy is then arrange to be thrown in a dungeon and he described all these conditions and he said and then pray to god think of god share your life and your thoughts with him don't waste your time in bitterness just do something with your life 
to give yourself to him. And he found that joy. Oh, it's a wonderful example of what is the truth of all our beings. That one God is in you. Don't forget it. And you may say, oh, but how can he love me if, I, if I've suffered so much? No, he doesn't want you to suffer. But yes, he did create a law. And you can say, as my guru explained, that uh, if, a, if you put your hand on a hot stove, the hand will get burned. Now, the fact that stoves and heat burn your hand is not meant maliciously. It's to protect your hand. If you were able to leave your hand on the stove, or worse still, put it in the flame, you would lose your hand. If you didn't feel pain, it would be unfortunate for you because you'd destroy your body. So pain and suffering were given to us for a good reason. Don't think God doesn't love you because of it. He gave a law, and when you go against that law, yes, you suffer. And he sometimes, um, like a beautiful story of a Christian saint who had many tests in her life, and when she was an old woman, she was trying to found another monastery, and she was going uh, on horseback, and her nuns were around her, and they were crossing a river, fording a river, but the river was swollen by winter rains, and the horse lost its footing and got swept away, and the nuns all thought, oh, she's drowned. Well, what actually happened was that she suddenly saw Jesus on the other bank of the river, and before she knew it, she was standing there completely dry. And he smiled at her. He said, Teresa, don't feel so badly. This is how I treat all my friends. <coughs> she had a good sense of humor. She said, Ah, oh, my Lord, no wonder you have so few. But you know, God does test us. If you read the lives of saints, you'll see that none of them went waltzing into heaven. They all had a hard time. But the purpose of it is to kill your ego and to get rid of your thought that uh, you are anything except that child of God, in love with God. Yes, this is, there's a certain side of the path that seems difficult. There was one a sister disciple of mine. He was the, she was the most advanced woman disciple of my Gurudev. She went through much physical suffering. She wrote once that, I understand now the Guru doesn't care about whether you suffer or not. He wants to free you from all delusion and therefore all suffering. And like a good doctor, I remember when I was a boy in Romania, I, had, uh, I was supposed to be on a diet of no uh, dairy products for some time, and it ruined my teeth. No calcium and... As a result, I had many cavities. And the dentist in Bucharest, out of compassion, when I was yelling too loudly, decided, all right, that was enough, and he would just fill my tooth. Well, of course, what he did was not clear away all the decay. So later on, I had even worse teeth. Now, was that real compassion? A true doctor would have said, well, I'm sorry, but this is for your good. And he couldn't bring himself to do it because of my childish cries. Well, a true guru doesn't mind giving you a certain amount of pain or any amount of pain if he knows that you will be freed. And you know, at the end, he kept her in her body. He made a contract with God that 
she would remain until he himself released her. He kept her to finish her karma. She was supposed to go long, long before, but he kept her there so she could work out her karma. And that's when she said, I have come to realize that the guru doesn't care about whether you suffer or not. What he cares about is freeing you from all the karmas that can lead to suffering. And the last words in her life were, oh, such joy, too much joy. That's what it's all about. Dwell on the fact of that joy. Don't dwell on your hardships because God gives them to you. There was another disciple, another woman disciple, who had to go through many, many trials because she had a body that was not well. And somebody said that on the operating table under the anesthesia, they heard her saying, go ahead, cut it all away, piece by piece, I don't care. All of this while she was under anesthesia. But she had reached that point where it didn't matter. She wanted to be free. This is what a true devotee is. This is what a true disciple is. And the purpose of the guru, finally, is to help us to understand that kind of freedom. Now, when we experience that, then we also know that death itself isn't the reality. It's a doorway. Life is just a revolving door. People come in, people go out. That's a much more real in this world. And that's, that's why my uh, uh, guru's guru, my param guru, Swami Shri said that this universe, the physical universe, is just like a little basket under the huge balloon of the astral universe. That universe is more real in this world. But let me read you these two fascinating stories. A couple expressed to me, this is my guru talking, expressed to me their desire for a spiritual child. I prayed for them, then showed them a photograph. This soul, I told them, would be suitable for them and was also, I felt, ready to be reborn on earth. Meditate on this soul, I said. Concentrate especially on the eyes. Invite him to come dwell in your home. In addition, have no sexual contact for six months. Abstinence will increase your magnetism. When at the end of that time you come together physically, think of that person and think also of God. If you follow my advice in all these respects, that soul will be born to you. They followed what I told them, what I'd told them and sometime later, that was the very soul which was drawn into their home. There's another one. This is saying for conversation number 176. I knew the following case personally, the master told us. A certain man went to a great master and requested initiation for him, for himself and his wife. The master agreed and said to him, go fetch your wife. Oh no, the man answered. You have to bring her. She is no longer in this world. Well, what could the master do? He had given his word. He meditated and summoned the man's wife from the astral world. She appeared before them in her physical form. Be careful, the master warned, not to touch her. He then initiated the two of them together. After the initiation, the wife disappeared.
These are two strange stories, but they help us to understand how thin the veil is between that world and this world. Those who have gone on, if they have any spiritual development, can see what goes on in this world. They, they, the veil is easier for them to penetrate than it is for most people. But in your mind, always think of that as the real world. Don't think that because something is solid, therefore it's real, nothing is solid. You know, the seat that you're sitting on, assuming that you're sitting down, is not solid, really. It's composed of whirling atoms. There is actually, scientists tell us, relatively speaking, there is as much space in your body or in that chair as there is in the heavens up above us. The nearest star to our sun, it takes light four years to reach us. That's how much space there is. And yet, we see it as mostly space and this body is similar relatively to that, but we think of this body as solid. Why doesn't the body sink into the chair if the body is mostly space and the chair is mostly space? Vibrations. Each one has its own vibration. You can't walk on water, different vibrations, but if you could change your vibrations, this is how saints can walk on water. This is how they can fly in the air. Levitation is not an impossibility. Many saints have done it. One time my Guruji was walking. Now, I didn't actually see this, but several other people saw it, that he, he was walking up to give a lecture, and uh, he, had not, he had lost the use of his legs because he was going through. He was taking the karma of disciples. And he said, well, I will give this talk. And so he had them drive him to the tennis court where the lecture was to be. It had been a tennis court years earlier. Now it was just a big concrete pad, you might say. And uh, he had to lift his legs and put them on the ground. Suddenly, the light appeared and he was able to walk up there. But some people observed it that he wasn't even touching the ground. Well, that seems like a miracle, but it's not. When you see that this is all God's dream, there's a story that uh, I've told you also of a very highly advanced disciple of his who was visiting him in Encinitas. And the guru said, well, I invited him out for a walk. Well, I mean for a drive. <coughs> it was raining very heavily just then. And just then my, the message came that my guru was getting into the car. And this man, Oliver uh, Black, Yogajari Oliver, he looked out and he saw just rain pouring down. So he thought, well, that's fine. I'll get a little wet getting into the car, but at least we'll be in a car. And so within a matter of less than 30 seconds from where he was, he reached the front door where my guru had already gone. He came out of doors and the ground was dry, the car was dry, the sky overhead was completely blue. There was not a sign that there had been rain at all. And he looked at, around him like this and he looked at our guru and our guru with a very little smile said, for you, Oliver. But you know, this is so much just a dream. They can do anything with the dream. They don't do it for most people. They do it sometimes for highly advanced disciples. But 
They don't do it because we have to make the effort. We have to use our discrimination. If they would stun us with miracles, then everybody would seek God. No, we have to make that effort ourselves. You have to use your discrimination to know what you're really looking for in life. Not because somebody's beaten you over the head with miracles, but because you've understood that what you really want is bliss and love. Not things that you thought would give you bliss and love, but didn't. You must find that in all the things that you experience in life, it's all just a big dream. Nothing finally is real. Even those particles in that space that is, makes up your body, even they are nothing but energy. This whole world of matter is really nothing but a vibration of energy. And that energy is only a vibration of conscious thoughts, and those thoughts a vibration of the infinite consciousness. Everything is God. Think of life that way. Life is a dream. Joy to you. Life is a dream, time like a stream, carries our burdens away. Never despair, joys everywhere, love can befriend you today. Free from all care, like birds on the Soar above griefs and worries, seek joy and be gay. Often on earth, things of great worth, worldly ambitions defy. Sometimes a friend helps us ascend, from life's cares to the sky. Love is a star, though shining afar. It can guide us and help us toward light to draw nigh. Life is a dream, time like a stream, carries our Guide us and help us toward life.
Draw. 